0: Hello, I'm Rabbi Matt Schneewise, and this is the audio version of the two-page article I wrote and published on my Substack, stack and on my blog, kolhasredeem.blogspot.com, on December 30th, 2022. And the article is entitled, An Etymological Drush from Rav Hirsch on Jewish versus Pagan Priests. And I'm just going to read the little uh, teaser heading here that I wrote for the Substack article. This is a two-page article, as opposed to a one-page article, on last week's Parsha, Miketz, as opposed to Vayigash. But when I saw this comment from Rav Hirsch, I simply needed to write a piece about it, and this is what I ended up writing. So without further ado, an etymological drush from Rav Hirsch on Jewish versus Pagan Priests. There are two types of linguistic analysis of the Hebrew language found in Torah commentaries. The first type takes into consideration all available data as the basis for its conclusions, and follows the evidence wherever it may lead. This approach may be described as scientific, evidence-based, or academic. The second type of analysis avowedly does not factor in all the data, but is guided by a particular set of assumptions, philosophical beliefs, and rhetorical objectives. This approach may be described as poetic, imaginative, or homiletical. The first type of analysis is bottom-up, whereas the second is top-down. The first is a necessity for pshat, whereas the second is a valuable tool in the arsenal of drash. Shadal, Samuel David Lutzato, who lived from 1800 to 1865 exemplifies the scientific approach as Daniel Klein writes in his preface to Shadal on Genesis "quote from page 22 in his investigation of word meanings Lutzato drew upon every means at his disposal including comparisons with the later Mishnaic Hebrew of the rabbis and with languages cognate to Hebrew such as Aramaic Syriac and Arabic" end quote Shadal's commentary is replete with philological analyses based on his understanding of the evolution of the Hebrew language Ruf Samson and Raphael Hirsch, who lived from eighteen oh eight to eighteen eighty eight, a grandmaster of the poetic approach, holds by a different set of premises from Shadal. According to Matityahu Clark, editor of the Etymological Dictionary of Biblical Hebrew based on the commentaries of Samson and Raphael Hirsch, Hirsch believed that Hebrew, quote, from page ten in the preface quote, is not a language that has historically developed and grown by absorbing or adapting words and expressions from foreign sources. Rather, it is a single integral unit with its own internal structure and grammar, its own logic and patterns, its own meanings and nuances, end quote. Hirsch, quote, states repeatedly that one should not look to foreign languages to find meanings of words in the Torah, end quote, believing that, quote, the Hebrew language, sorry, believing instead that, quote, the Hebrew language is self-contained, end quote. That was from page 11 in the preface. Thus, quote, from page 293, in his analysis, Hirsch makes no use of or references to other languages of the ancient Near East, end quote. Instead, basing his conclusions on his idiosyncratic theory of three-letter roots. Although there are hundreds of examples which illustrate the differences between these two approaches, the main reason I wrote this article is to showcase a single excerpt of Rav Hirsch's commentary in Parsha's Mikate's. Yosef is overcome with emotion upon seeing his younger brother Binyamin. Uh, as it states in Bre- it, oh, sorry, it states in Bre- 4330, quote, Yosef hurried because nichmaru Rachamav towards his brother, and he sought to weep. He went into the room and wept there. End quote. The basic question is, what does nichmaru Rachamav mean in the context of this Pasuk? A second question arises from the more common use of this three-letter root in the word Komer, which is universally understood to mean pagan priest, as in to Malachim 23, 5, quote, Yoshiahu also dismissed the Comrim, end quote. And in Hosea ten five, 5, quote, for its people will mourn over it as well as its Comrim, end quote. And in Svania 1 4, quote, I will cut off from this place any remnant of the Baal and the memory of the ministers with the Komrim, end quote. The second question is: what if anything is the relationship between the expression nichmeru rahamav and the word Komer? Shadal's Italian translation of the Pasuk and Mikates, rendered into English by Daniel Klein, reads as follows quote, And immediately Joseph, pity having been kindled in him towards his brother, and wanting to weep, entered into the room and wept there. Shadal elaborates on his reasoning in his commentary quote, Kindled, nichmeru, means became hot and burning, as in Echa 5:10, our skin is hot, nichmeru like an oven. In Rosenmuller's opinion, and before him the Alexandrian translation, the original meaning of rachamim, here translated as pity, was bowels, just as the singular form rechem means womb, Shidal is not the first one to translate nichmaru as hot and burning. Ibn Ezra, Avram ben Ramam, Rabag, and others took the same approach, many of them citing the same puzzle from Eicha. As for our second question, we, or at least I, don't have access to Shadal's commentary on any of the three instances of the word komer cited above. We do, however, have the commentary Ho'il Moshe by Rabbi Moshe Yitzchak Ashkenazi, or Moise Tedeski, who lived from 1829 to 1898, one of Shadal's informal students, who employs a similar evidence-based linguistic approach to that of his teacher. "Quote, Hakomrim, according to Heinrich Wilhelm Jesenius, 1786 to 1842, in his lexicon, its meaning, meaning the meaning of Komrim, uh, is those who burn incense. If so, one must assume that the letters Gimel Yud Chaf Kuf were transposed and its origin is Aramaic or Syriac. Gokhali fiery coals is translated as Gumin de ishia, and the priests raise up smoke with fiery coals on the firepan. Accordingly, they are superior in rank to priests whose forms of service are not as significant. End quote. Thus far, the scientific approach of Shadal. Hirsch's poetic approach stands in stark contrast. He reads our Pusuk as, quote, Yosef hastened, for his feelings towards his brother had been stirred up, and he wished to cry, and he went into the room and wept there, end quote. And that was a translation by Daniel Haberman. Hirsch's commentary begins with a shot answer to our first question, then segues into a drush answer to our second question. So here's the long quote. Nihmu Rahmav, for Yosef knew what he intended to do to Binyamin, the painful ordeal he intended to put him through, even if only briefly. Kamar, or Kufmem Resh, the stirring up of strong emotions, is also the root of Mihmores, a net. A Kumir is a pagan priest. The rabbinic term Kamar Shellzasim denotes laying fruit on top of one another so that they should heat up and ripen, or it denotes burying them in the earth for this purpose, sealing them off until they become ripe and tender. Michmar Bisra, from Sakim 58b, Initial spoilage in meat, or behu or taks from Oholos three seven, a hidden drain. The basic meaning of kuf mem resh, then is to keep back something, shut it up, and prevent it from going free, and thus bring it to fermentation. Thus, on the one hand, a net, and on the other, the process of fermentation. Transposed to the emotional realm, kamar or kufmemreish denotes pent-up feelings which, as a result of repression, reach an intense state of ferment. Compare, to Hillem 73:21, ki levavi, emotional ferment which can no longer be contained in one's breast, intense emotional excitement. For this reason, apparently, pagan priests are called komrim as opposed to kohanim. The Jewish kohen is not dependent on devotion, emotion. Jewish divine service is not designed to excite dark, mysterious feelings. The Jewish sanctuary, sanctuary, appeals primarily to the intellect. His palel Means to rectify one's judgment and to make clear to oneself one's relationship to things in general, one's duties. Feelings are very cheap. One can weep copiously before God in prayer and then get up and be no better than one was before. The komer counts on exciting the emotions. The coin, however, has to be keen with himself and mechin, provide others with firm direction and a firm basis. Heathenism works on the emotions and thereby shackles the intellect. The emotions, however, are like a clock mechanism without hands, restless movement that knows not whence or whither, which can be exploited for any purpose. The Komer fans the flames of hell and arouses fanaticism. He celebrates his triumph when nichmuru me ayim, when the innards of the believers reach a t- point of total ferment. End quote from reverse. This is a beautiful example of what I call etymological drush. Rav Hirsch uses the Hebrew language to expound on a core idea about Judaism. The fact that his analysis of the root chaf mem resh may or may not be scientifically accurate by the standards of modern philology is immaterial. This is the way of Drash. Fortunately, we are not forced to choose between the approaches of Shadal and Rav Hirsch, just as we need not commit ourselves exclusively to either Pshat or Drash. Rabbi David Foreman once likened the interrelationship between Pshat and Drash to that of melody and harmony. Both play different roles the parameters of which must be understood to be effectively used, but together they result in beautiful music.